Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. From Wall Street to the White House, this is The Larry Kudlow Show. Welcome back, folks. I'm Larry Kudlow. This is The Larry Kudlow Show. Great pleasure to be with you, as always. We continue the discussion now from the energy oil standpoint. One of the things that Senator Haggerty said that was, I think, so on target was that U.S. Biden energy policies, Green New Deal, climate change, stopping production, stopping pipelines, using federal regulatory agencies to uh, crush our great fossil fuel industry. Well, that's jacked up prices, cut supply, raised prices. We're financing Vladimir Putin and Russia. We're financing them. Anyway, we've got one of America's best energy experts, my pal John Kilduff, founder of the Kilduff Group and publisher of the Kilduff Report and founding partner of Again Capital. John, thank you. How are you? I've been well, Larry. Yourself, it's great to be on with you again. Yes, thank you for doing this. Um, You know, I'm reading the front page of the Wall Street Journal, above the fold, frackers hold back production as global oil market tightens. So we're at 90 or $91 a barrel for West Texas. Brent crude's a little stronger. Uh, why are the frackers holding back production? Partly because of how badly they got burned in the uh, pandemic uh, period, Larry, when oil prices went negative. Uh, all of a sudden, the entire industry was called to account on their uh, spending ways, uh, spendthrift spending ways over the years where they just uh, emphasized drilling over return on capital uh, and, and just getting money back to investors. Um, and the, you know, given that they cratered the price of oil, it was maybe too good of a thing going on there for a little while. And so now they're obviously been burned, and so they're slowly uh, coming back uh, to the oil fields. But they never want to let that happen to themselves again. And quite frankly, there's a lot of pressures on them uh, from you know these environmental, social, governance folks, uh, the banks, everyone, investors of all stripes are, are making them operate in a much more uh, commercially uh, attractive, if you will, environment. So, again, they're a little chagrined, and they're also getting pressured. So that, that's why you're seeing that in part. How much uh, has the Baker Hughes rig count recovered? It's, I, I don't follow it as closely as I used to, but the last time I looked, it was up from the bottom, but it was way, way, way below the peaks, uh, you know, pre-pandemic. It's still about half of what it was pre-pandemic, Larry. We have had about 50 rigs come into service some from about November, if you want to just pick a, a date. Uh, and then uh, on yesterday, we got uh, five more rigs put into service. But the previous week, we got 15 oil rigs put into service. So uh, I do think there are signs of life here in the shale patch, uh, does, because despite what I just said to you, to a degree, they cannot help themselves, and I fully expect them uh, to start to, uh, to ramp things up, particularly if this oil price persists, and it looks like it is, given the uh, strong demand globally and the refusal, basically, of Saudi Arabia to, uh, to tap their uh, spare capacity and put more oil on the market. Yeah, so we're, um, 
around ninety dollars plus. Uh, what's the you know what's your outlook for oil prices? Well, I don't think it's as dire uh, a situation as I know some of the folks are out there saying. Um, I can tell you, you know, for example, Ed Morrison, Citigroup, former. Uh, uh, Undersecretary of State there for President Carter, probably the first Energy Secretary. He's got a sixty dollars price target by the uh, towards the latter part of the year. Oh. For example, of course, yeah. But of course, uh, some of the other banks have you know are, are you know into the stratosphere. Uh, I I think you know at this point, just from a trading perspective, we have to ring the bell on a hundred. Uh, it's something that the market is just going to continue to sort of have a fever about and push towards, push towards, push towards until we get it. And then we can reassess from there. The, 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 the good news for consumers is that we're coming into a part of the year where a demand necessarily declines because we lose the heating fuel demand. And that's a very thankful situation for the Europeans and the Ukrainians here uh, as, as well. Uh, and then we got to sort of see where we'll set up for the summer driving season uh, Larry, but I don't necessarily think we're going to make new highs on oil like we did back in 2008 when we went to 147. Mm. Uh, could we go to 110, 115? Yeah, absolutely. But I'm also, uh, you know, cognizant uh, of the argument here, and there are other barrels coming to market and coming online, especially from U.S. shale, that could surprise us uh, over the course of the next couple of months here that uh, could help to alleviate. But, you know, we need our U.S. oil for sure. Uh, we need Canadian oil, and uh, I can think we're going to continue to rue the day that uh, that the key Keystone Pipeline uh, got picked on so badly. Yeah, well, that's the thing. So, you know, you've got Biden policies are very much anti-fossil fuel. You've got all the climate people, uh, the Green New Deal stuff. Um, FERC waging war against pipelines, the SEC waging war against um, fossil fuel companies, maybe the Federal Reserve, if this woman... Uh, Sarah Bloom Raskin becomes the top uh, Fed supervisor for banking. I mean, she wants to stop allocating. She wants she wants to prevent any bank loans to fossil fuel companies. I mean, I would think they're gun shy. Okay, I mean, it's the best in the world. We're the most efficient, most innovative in the world. We should be producing much more, John. I mean, we were 13 million plus barrels per day. We're still around what 11 million plus barrels per day. Uh, that's that's right. jacked up the price as the world economy has recovered. Um, Senator Haggerty said, you know, these policy measures holding back supply, we're helping uh, to finance Russia with high oil prices. Yeah, and, and really a lot of other bad actors, Larry. I mean, you know, usually the oil producing countries aren't necessarily our friends or certainly not our best friends. Um, and we've always had an issue, uh, certainly, with that. And, yeah, this is helping Vladimir Putin. That's why, And that's what the killer is going to be. Excuse me. I didn't mean to put it that way. But the hard part of this situation with Ukraine is going to be if we do slap sanctions on Russia that impacts their ability to export oil, sure, the Russians are going to pay for it. But uh, so are the rest of us. When you hear President Biden allude to pain for everyone, I, I think that's sort of what he's sort of trying to prepare everyone for because it could be an epic energy crisis if uh, if russia turns off the spigot because we cannot afford to lose those barrels and uh, there's no place to make them up the saudis can't make it up we can't make it up canada can't make it up um so we'll, we will really be uh, in a tight spot and you know all these pressures it's it's so um just misguided to me i i get the the, the worry about the, the climate and, and all that and whatever good measures you want to try to take for environmentally speaking to you know get the world to a, a better place is fine but um look uh, 
energy is essential to our economy, the global mm. economy. And you saw now this past winter the, the missteps by the European leadership and the UK that got them into a, a total mess, you know, playing almost triple-digit oil equivalent prices for their natural gas, uh, for shortages. Uh, and the like. And every single of our one of our recessions over the past decades now, Larry, have been preceded by a spike higher in oil prices. There have been other mitigating factors, of course, which I could I could enumerate. But oil was always part of the problem. And that's what we're staring down if they don't do this more, much more carefully than than we have. You just can't, you know, literally flip the switch on this here. We need to needs to be a very orderly uh, and careful transition uh, to, to whatever and especially including, I think, much more of a battery overlay so you can store the energy uh, so when the sun doesn't shine and the wind doesn't blow like has happened in Texas, literally, uh, you can call on these reserves because that's what a gasoline in your gasoline tank is. It's stored energy to be ready for you on demand, and that's what's not being thought through here. Well, I don't see. I mean, if we run sanctions on the Russian Nord Stream 2, walk us through. That is going to impact natural gas prices, but it's going to really impact oil prices. The demand for oil is going to go up. Uh, I see, well, I see one big winner, Russia. I see another winner, uh, Saudi Arabia. Now, what does that do to the U.S.? I mean, it's going to, it's going to really do damage to, I mean, it might help our producers. They'll make more money, I guess. It's going to kill our consumers. How does that play out? Well, I mean, exactly what you said. Uh, look, the, the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, as much as, you know, it's, it's problematic, you know, from a, a policy perspective, it's essential amount of fuel for, for, uh, for Europe. Uh, and, you know, the, the history of it is that the Germans are, have always been trying to make up for World War II with the Russians, and that's why I think uh, Angela Merkel thought she could, you know, sort of wrangle them as an, Eastern, as an East German person. So that's, that's their sort of, you know, historic, uh, you know, fault. But... Um, yeah, Larry, I mean, I always remind everybody, I mean, I know it's great news for our Texas producers, shale producers, New Mexico, uh, if these prices were to spike on this. But, yeah, our economy is two-thirds the consumer. Uh, rise in gasoline prices, I know people might have heard it before, uh, is like a tax on folks because yeah. you're taking away from discretionary spending in other areas for clothing, entertainment, you name it, and it's going into the gas tank. And then it's making a way, a lot of it's making its way over uh, to Saudi Arabia and, uh, you know, Kuwait and Qatar and, and all those folks, you know, are the winners. I will say that uh, this should be very damaging, though, to the Russian economy if they get foreclosed uh, from the international markets. Uh, but again, they're like a drowning swimmer. They're going to take us down with them because the, uh, <laughs> the, the energy landscape is just going to be apocalyptic. When do we get back to 13 million barrels a day? Let's. I'm waiting to see, Larry. I've been doing some. We've been crunching numbers here at, uh, at my shop, and uh, we are expecting a, a decent-sized ramp uh, over the course of the next several months. But we still mm. won't probably get to 12. It's going to be another couple of years potentially before we get to 13 again, especially because of again the pressures uh, that are being put on the industry and and being hamstrung uh, by the increased regulatory right. uh, environment. There's there's That's no two right. ways about that. It's just, it's mean, just not there's not in favor right now, and so they're not going to they're going to be held up at every turn for a while. Yeah, my pal Harold Ham, his brain is probably exploding at all this stuff. I mean, the cavalry's coming. This stuff's not going to be sustainable. But that's we we still got to get through the next seven or eight or nine months. I don't know how this is going to play out, John. I, it's not good. 
<laughs> Would you agree with me? It's not good. It's not. It's it, it, it's a confluence of factors, Larry. That are just it's it's setting up like a, like a perfect storm, if you will. Given the, the how demand is racing back, we're going to be we're, we are fully back to pre-pandemic levels. We'll probably have record energy demand globally uh, come the spring. Uh, because yeah. of the rebound in air travel, especially, yeah. we already know about the trucking difficulty. So, yeah, Larry, that coupled with a uh, a, a, a clampdown on uh, emerging supplies ain't good. No, not good. John Kildoff, thank you, my friend. Stay in touch. Appreciate it very much. Folks, I'm Larry Kudlow. This is the Larry Kudlow Show. We're going to ca- take a quick break. And on the other side is Kelvin Dragemeyer, former director of the White House Office of Science and Technology. Why do we need a $350 billion bill, more spending, more inflation, now in the name of China competition, and it won't do a darn thing for China competition? I'm Kudlow. We'll be right back. Larry Kudlow.